welcome everybody to the Science and Dance podcast. You're listening to Series 3, Episode 1 with Rebecca Hoare, also known online as the Audition Educator and currently a professional ballerina with Semperoper Dresden based in Germany. Delighted to have Rebecca on here today to talk about her latest business ventures and the past three years um, since we caught up. Which was, which was over three years ago now when I visited Dresden and we did our first recording together, which is still available on YouTube. Links will be in the description below. Please go and give Becca a follow um, across all of her different social media accounts. She's got really great insights into the industry, both pre-coronavirus and during coronavirus. And I hope you enjoy this episode in this brand new series of the Science and Dance podcast. Yay! Here, that's recording. That's good. The coffee's on the go. Everyone can hear. Right. Well, welcome, Becca. Thanks for joining me again. This is round two for you. Um, it's been uh, over three years since Becca and I last uh, chatted, and that's still available on YouTube, um, but it wasn't officially done as a podcast. It was kind of just, uh, I guess, back at back, back then, two friends meeting up um, and, and chat, chat, yeah, chit chat, exactly, you're right. And, um, but that conversation resonates now just as important as it was um, back then in terms of where it's led you to be. So um, welcome, I hope you were uh, glad to be back on with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so just for a brief, bit of brief background for people that are perhaps tuning into the podcast that definitely didn't tune in last time because of mm-hmm. the, the, the outreach of the channel back then. Um, tell us who you are. Tell us where you're from. And tell us what you do. Great. Well, um, as Rupert said, my name is Becca. Um, I'm originally from South Wales. I started ballet at two years old. Um, from three, I started ballroom Latin, and from five, I joined in with jazz, tap, and modern. And I continued all that in adding in flamenco and Spanish and uh, Irish dance in my vocational training. I went into vocational training at 14, and I then uh, graduated with a diploma from KS Dance when I was. 19, 18, KS Dance, look at that. I know. Um, yeah. And I'm sure we'll get on to my a while to get a job. My first contract was then with the Romanian National Ballet, and I was there for nearly four years, about three and a half. I then resigned and landed a job. I say landed, I earned a job here in Germany at uh, the Semper Opera Ballet in Dresden. So that's my career so far. And is it is it safe to now, <clears throat> I don't know, since the launch of your latest project, which we we're definitely going to talk about, mm-hmm. um, it, it should, should we call you the audition educator? I feel like that's quite a Oh, quite, a, quite an accolade so I'm, I'm gonna roll with that I mean but when we get on title. <laughs> yeah I, I think that's I think that's so appropriate given um what we're going to discuss um this morning yeah. um obviously I don't want to make it too coronavirus COVID centric but um I do want to make it 
um, the, the point of this next series, and you're the first episode on it, is to discuss why the things outside dance science and dance health. That's really not what this discussion's about. Um, I want to try and bring on people who I think have a new perspective on aspects of the dance industry. And I think that um, what you've delivered over the past few months, um, having seen it firsthand and, mm -hmm. and having discussed it with me, I think it's really important to share because um, entrepreneurial skills yeah. are one thing. Mm -hmm. The ability to market oneself is another thing um, as, as the product itself, if you know what I mean. So, you know, you with dancing, you are your own product. So tell me, based upon your experiences and things that we perhaps discussed last time, like your audition journey and your audition experience, when did the idea first hit you to set up Audition Educator and what is Audition Educator? So um, the idea that there should be something like this happened way, way back, you know, coming out of school or um, more so in my second round of auditions. So I call it the mid-20 move. So auditioning as a professional. I need to get that patented. <laughs> um, so that's, that's when the idea was arising that there should be help and you know, kind of wished there was. Um, but the light bulb moment of physically doing it was, you know, just came honestly during the summer. I was I was on holiday and obviously a bit relaxed. And that's that's when, you know, the inspiration struck me. Um, and I got to it right away. And I know a lot about auditioning. Um, I have extensive, extensive audition experience and I have made every mistake that anyone could ever make, you know, within all that that entails. And so it was August that I started developing the audition educator and what that would be. Um, so effectively, right now it's an educational tool for dancers to help them with their auditions in the classical space because you know in every other industry there are agents and i'm not just talking dance industries what like globally any industry you have headhunters you have agents all these things we have nothing so um it's an educational tool currently and will be um the first um, agency in the classical space. And so I did um, a ton of market research. I knew already that there was nothing available for us other than the odd article online or in one of the dance magazines every couple of years, you know, as January rolls around. Um, but very, you know, you know, fluffy general advice or perhaps not relevant anymore if it was quite a while back. As we know, our industry, our industry has changed this year. Um, and so I did a lot of market research. I did a lot of polling and um, questioning dancers on their major pain points. You know, 86% said that they did not have enough um, guidance with auditioning. Um, excuse me. And you know, the main pain points were they didn't know how to write a CV or put their application together. They didn't have any contacts. 
they wouldn't contact a professional just for advice if they didn't already know them and things like that. Um, those were the main ones. So I started with those and I created three eBooks around the application process. So there's one, there's the CV crash course, there's portfolio photos zoomed in and audition videos explained. They do come as a bundle as well. Um, because I, most people feel they need all of them. Obviously this year, my video one is the bestseller uh, with all the virtual auditions popping up. Mm. And um, um, targeting the contacts issue, I created the expert email list, which is a database of over 70 classical company or director emails. So I compiled everything I'd ever found on the internet any email address that I'd, you know, ever found to, or, you know, to email a company, I put all those in a database, those are available. Um, but the main event is the Audition Educator course. And so this is a uh, six week currently live course, where I talk through everything starting at your research, um, your application, how to write an email, how to cold email a company. And then I go through to, you know, the travel aspects covering virtual auditions for this year. Um, I then go into, you know, keeping costs low. I go into all the aspects comparing a company class with an audition class, talking through physical audition days, what will it entail? What do you need to be prepped for? All the way through to contracts. Um, so I have covered everything and you know I'm on my third run of it now and even now I'm you know as I'm learning or as more questions are coming up I'm just developing the course putting more in and putting more in you know I've just added a bonus module on video CVs because yes that's a thing now um, and how to film your video CV so that's a bonus model that's been that's been added this time and it will continue so just to, to just to touch on a video CV for those that might not know what that is. I'm yeah. going to get I don't know necessarily what that that, that is. I'm going to guess yeah. that that is basically your CV, but you've recorded yourself talking, talking about it or yeah, yeah. describing so it. Things, yeah, the main things companies seem to be asking for it if they are predominantly doing a virtual screening for, for you know to actually offer a job. And so the idea is to, to get some personality across and so that they can see you as a person, because for That's a lot nice. of- that, that makes sense though. I, I, you know, from, a, you know, from a, a business point of view, from getting the yeah. right personnel, I understand for, for young, dance, young dancers that are just leaving college, that would be a daunting task if they've not, you know, videoed speaking or singing or acting before. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are you what are you noticing that is kind of the common trend with people uh, when when dancers have to perhaps talk about themselves or you know is there is their dance job or ballet related interview techniques like is there something within um the video cv aspect of things that dancers you think dancers are struggling with or is it is it they've just got to simply have the confidence to talk about themselves it's, it's a confidence thing, you know, mostly it's nerves or, you know, it gets like a script or something like that. It's very hard to get them to relax a little bit. But, you know, I'm a classical dancer and in a classical company and I have 
had to speak on stage. I've had to sing on stage. That is a thing. So, you know, this is just a, a taste. And so just getting them to relax, you know, not read off a script, don't read directly off their CV. Um, that's not what they want to see. They want to see, you know, eye to camera contact um, and tell them. So it's, it's a good way of thinking of it is your cover letter or, you know, the stuff you prep for your CV to talk a little bit about yourself and why you want to audition. It's the cover letter vibe you're going for. So it's a bit more personable, a bit more fluffy, and it's not like a bullet point structured script like your CV. So you want to combine those two. So it's definitely not one type of thing that you could send to more places. This is, has realistically, that sort of thing is tailored to why you want to audition for that specific company rather than just recording yourself talking about your CV and sending it to multiple places or is, does that work as well or is that is this is this is this really specific that people are asking for um well what I'm what I'm advising unless the company has specifically asked them to talk about you know where they're auditioning what I'm advising them because they're very rare right now if you've got the time to do it for a specific company then great and then you know, as we develop forward, I think there's ways of making it personal without specifically, um, you know, talking about a specific company and name dropping that company and meaning you have to film it every time. Now that goes against everything I say for any of the rest of the application process. So don't <laughs> anyone take that as I can batch email, I can, there's none of that in my books. However, in this instance, because it's so rare and I think you can make it personal, without actually name dropping and then having to film. You know, dancers have enough to do. Every, every company's asking for a different length video with different content. They've got to edit every time anyway. So if this is one thing that you can tailor down but still make personal, that's what I recommend. However, not with the rest of your application. Okay, that's, that's really good advice. So, so yeah. realistically, we're looking at a, a, a template and a process each time that the dancer needs to go through when they see an audition and they need to kind of reverse engineer the process whereby they've, they've seen what is, they've got to send off. And then it's a case of coming back to your course or coming back to your eBooks and going, okay, they're asking for that, not that, that's okay. I can leave that to one side for now. <clears throat> and really going through this process repeatedly and, and actually honing it and dialing it in for themselves at the same time. Because yeah. I guess each every person's audition experience is slightly different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you know, generally there there's a million different audition experiences, but there are the exceptions, and then there are the rules. And most of us are the rules, not the exception to the rule. So most of us, I'm going to say, ninety five percent have to do all this grind work. You know, we don't just have a contact or necessarily and. I'm not going to mention the word lucky because I, I don't really believe in, you know, someone being lucky to, to get a job. They've earned it in some way, shape or form. Um, but exceptions and rules, I'm a rule for sure. <laughs> um, what do you, on this topic, and, and I'm going to go back a little bit in a second and ask you um, about the previous three years a little bit. Um, what do you think is the biggest barrier currently to a new graduate or somebody in their first, second, third year of college, let's say, that is and in waiting in anticipation for the audition process. Obviously, we take take out the fact that things are going virtual right now and 
let's yeah. say hopefully in a year's time things are very different and we're back on that audition scene and blah 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 there's an I always get the impression there's an element of anticipation and a feeling across their three years of training they've got to be ready like straight away how much is there to learn between your first audition and your you know the last audition before you get a job or the, the job where you get an audition do you think that's a, a, what, what do you think that process is one steep learning curve if you know skiing it's a black run like it's as steep as it gets and I think like you say with the anticipation the problem is lack of knowledge and with the anticipation they go all guns blazing and they start making all these mistakes and they're turning companies off just by basic things you know it's not even your work it's not even what you've trained for it's your it's your uh job hunting skills and your application skills um and, and things like that. There's a lot of basics that can be avoided. Um, and so I think, you know, overexcitement and lack of knowledge combined. Um, and so, so my, my, my part B is a bit of a yes or no question. Um, in, and that's, that's awful for a podcast, but I'm going to ask it anyway, is are there things that, are there situations where dancers could go to their first or second audition and actually not have those first time audition experiences be, or at least be a lot more successful in the whole process from email to being in person and they don't have they don't have to make these mistakes do they i think is what i'm trying to say they don't have to but um you know none of us there's there's no what there's no professional passing on this information and in some cases, the schools, you know, like KS, are, are doing as much as they can to help that process. Some schools are not doing enough. However, you, you do need someone who's done it recently or any, you know, someone who's in, in you know, in that arena right now, um, you know, listening to the other company dancers. You always hear, when you're in a company, you hear from any other company who's who's leaving how many contracts are on the great like you know just through the grapevine there's a lot of information that we get and not only that we've already done it you know we've already got a job we've done that process and so you know I think us to be passing on our information is really really important and it's something that dancers as creative beings are very uncreative with with what they can offer um the next generation of dancers I think I think that's um, certainly something that has to be explored is whereby the process and the um, the deal is constantly changing amongst auditioning and the process of auditioning. It's important to be in touch and the the rules from 15, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, that's I think probably probably less than that. They don't apply know. don't apply now. No. They don't apply I mean, now. When, when I did my first round of auditions all people wanted was experience you don't have experience you don't I mean that wasn't my only issue but that was something I heard a lot they there weren't junior companies there weren't um apprenticeships there wasn't any of this they wanted experience and I had none and then as it you fast forward four years doing my mid-20 move or they'd tapped into the fact that they can hire younger dancers um, pay them a bit less and have these apprenticeship programs, um, junior companies, 
So by the time I got to my mid-20 move and I had a packed CV, all they wanted was students, graduates. Oh, we don't need anyone with experience. We don't need anyone with experience. Like I couldn't have won. <laughs> so, you know, even just in those short space of times and, and those times I've done it, bearing in mind each time I did it was a two-year period. I'm not talking a couple of months or one audition season. I'm talking two years each time. Um, yeah, and being in tune with with what the industry is looking for generally, not even getting into the nitty gritty of you as a dancer, what height you are, what kind of dancer you are. So, yeah. <laughs> and and the other, I guess the, uh, on a line of positivity, you're setting up, or you have set up the audition educator amongst the pandemic. But is it fair to say people are still auditioning? Like there are, there are still yes. pockets of the world that, you know, want dancers. Is that, are you, are you experiencing people coming to you for advice because they've got a lot, you know, online auditions? Is what, 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 what kind of thing are companies asking for at right now, given what's going on? I know you mentioned the virtual, the virtual CV, but are they asking people to do, to get variations together and show reels together amongst when they've got to film it in their kitchen? You know, is that what people, is that what's happening? Uh, yeah yeah and um, you know as we hit the summer there were actual in-person auditions happening and people were hiring you know I know firsthand that people have you know were hiring and um as it's as we've come into the new phase and you know especially most of Europe is you know reverted again um they're asking they're asking for their full applications you know full audition videos um full variations and things like that i guess expecting that people just had it filmed before which obviously i'm advising they do but if they don't they're in a sticky situation right now um and then i guess they would expect that by the time it got to the virtual audition the zoom audition companies have to be expecting that people are going to be in their kitchens is, is that a piece of um, a little bit of a hidden gem there of advice, which is that if you get the opportunity to film things, whether you've got an audition coming up or not, you probably, and even if you're a professional that may be moving companies after three, four years, no matter what, you should be probably filming some content or getting, making sure you've got that video content fairly regularly updated. Yeah, absolutely. Regularly updated is a is a key point there. I mean, I believe heavily in filming things anyway. If nothing else, it's good for seeing self progression and you know self correction. Um, but keeping it updated is really key. People don't want to see things older than six months now. So, um, if you have access to a studio, you want to be using that absolutely. Even if there's nothing online and nothing in the in the in the paper, so to speak, using inverted commas there um pertaining to what you want so that kind of I, i'm going to kind of backtrack um becca and and go back to the last three years and i know that you've had a a very enjoyable time in, in germany you you do you, you love it there and despite um what people normally think of, of ballet has as being quite a volatile career uh, i know that's not the case in all companies however you seem to have always had a um a side hustle yeah. and always been interested in life outside of dance and life outside of ballet or even if it's related to ballet it's 
from a different angle. So I was wondering if you could perhaps tell uh, viewers, listeners about this isn't the first venture that you've had uh, in a business capacity, is it? No, no, it's not. Um, yeah, I like you say, I've always had a side hustle. I, even when I was younger, I used to hand paint cards and sell them at my ballet studio. <laughs> Do you have it? Absolutely love that. That's good. I've always been, I've always had that little streak of entrepreneurship, I guess. Um, but also, you know, whether it's financing auditions in my earlier years or, you know, supporting my very, very minimal salary in my in my first job, um, I've always had to work on the side. You know, when 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 we were laid off for summer in my last job, we weren't paid because we were foreigners. So I worked for two, sometimes three months throughout a summer as a waitress, as a lifeguard, as a shop assistant, as all sorts, predominantly waitress or, or working at a pub. Um, but I've also always been kind of a tech geek, a techie nerd in that sense. So I, I've always designed websites. That's something I was doing for myself back when I was you know, 17 and I was still modeling and things like that. So um, I've been doing that for a very long time, probably you know, a good eight years if we're talking you know, paid work. And I, two years ago, I then founded that into a digital media company. I was starting to have regular clients for social media management, social media uh, marketing strategies, branding, more web design, some product design as in marketing products, so brochures, calendars, whatever. Um, I like doing that design things and I'm, you know, I'm good at it. And so I founded that company up. Um, two years ago I keep it kind of on the down low as in you know I don't market myself or advertise it advertise my services because um, I, I have enough work coming in you know and people asking for me to do different projects all the time so you know I keep it and say no to things based on what my schedule is like of course right now I can take on a bit more um, but if I was in full-time work, then I would pull it back again, but it's there. And all, all my clients have been generally in the artistic spaces because you can't have any Tom, Dick and Harry using, uh, you know, choosing content to go out for a ballet company or the sponsors to a ballet company or choosing an aesthetic, you know, marketing product. It needs to be someone with an eye for that profession um, or at least a heavy knowledge of it and I found that that's you know that's a little gap at, I mean don't don't you know ballet's behind in the marketing department as well as many other departments and so yeah I've, I've just generally always found continuous work with that this is a reminder that you're listening to the science and dance podcast series three episode one don't forget to check out our social media accounts. You can find me on Instagram at the Ballet Strength Pro. You can always also find me on Twitter at Rupert Wiltshire. And don't forget to check out scienceindance.com where there's online coaching, online blogs, lots of video content for you to get stuck into and engage with. I'm really enjoying this podcast with Becca. It's got great value and the second half is fan absolutely fantastic and full of lots of tips for dancers out there as well. So Tune back in and we'll warm up for the second part.
So the advice regarding um, people, I think, because obviously dancers and the dancers at college, especially now, they they've got an idea or they they know they know enough about what happens when dancers are graduated and they're trying to audition. But perhaps you know the, the jobs aren't available to just go and do like waitressing right now. So if if you have an interest and it may be ballet skirts or it may be something along those lines it may be apparel type things it, it may not be it might be um, a service that they can offer in terms of design on a computer and, and, and beyond is that something that they if you you need to find is that something that you have to have a, a passion about before you do it or is it just you, you just kind of wait for those ideas to come to you or it, it, you really have to grind to find these side hustles or is this is there something out there that would would be beneficial to lots of people is what I'm, is is kind of what I'm trying to ask. And then my second question on the back of that is, where do people start? You know, where did you start when it you came to? I've got, I'm quite good at this. How do I tell people that I can do this for them? Mm -hmm. So there's something for everyone. There really is, and you know that doesn't mean you have to found up an entire company. You know, I. I did that two years ago because I was getting enough revenue that I needed to, you know, start declaring it as a business and taxes and all that good stuff, which is another thing that dancers are not educated on. Luckily, my partner's a tax advisor. <laughs> but, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, there is something for everyone. And whether that's, you know, those are the two things that I really stick to and that took off. I have other things going on as well. You know, I have a print on demand apparel line. Um, so I design clothing or like designs for clothing. I have a store set up that's hosted by the specific company. I use Teespring, but there's there's many different ones. If you just search print on demand, you would find a few different Redbubble is another one um you know i make the designs myself and you know they put it they put it on the apparel digitally and then it's only printed it means you can you know design your own apparel without having to put any investment in yourself so you don't pay for any of that you know they only print the product when someone makes an order so you can order samples yourself to do your own advertising or to have some yourself or to see what it's like before you put it up for sale. Um, but that's a zero investment completely, you know, and if you've got the time to market it, you know, just putting stuff on Facebook and Instagram, then, you know, that can bring you in some revenue. I haven't personally put enough time into it. You know, it just trickles in a little bit each month, but that's fine. Um, I'd, I'd rather put my energy elsewhere, but that's, you know, that's a side, another side income that I have. Um, where to start, regarding where to start and, you know, ideas, you need to get on YouTube. That is the biggest source of information that we have at our fingertips right now. I spend thousands of hours learning on YouTube. Like, so much time. And so, you know, just start doing some searches, side hustles, uh, passive income ideas, searching things like this and see what, you know, you'll find a few different ones um, and some will um, pique your fancy. 
if you like writing, for example, there's a platform called Medium and it's a, you know, it's a publication blog which hosts, you know, all different, you know, people talk about all different things, but because they've got a big network, you can upload um, a, a piece, whether it's, you know, seven things to do in Rome or, you know, four hairstyles for this ballet, or, you know, literally anything. And you get paid for the amount of views you get and things like that. So you can get paid for writing. Um, so like I said, there's a million different things. YouTube is your biggest source of information and there is very, very high quality content on there to, to help you. Like I said, there's something for everyone. And if you spend enough time, you know, looking into it and, and having a little dabble, um, you'll find something for sure. So, for example, with, um, I mean, I, I enjoy writing a blog, for example, and um, at school, I am the first person to say that I, for my A-levels, I chose subjects where I had to write as little as possible. And mm -hmm. actually, I, I, I look back on my time, I used to look back on my time at school and say, I didn't, I don't like creative writing, I don't like writing, I don't enjoy extended writing, but actually... For me, it was the fact that I just wanted to write about something I was interested in and I thought perhaps other people would be interested in. So I, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to second your advice and it's going to lead me into my next question, which is just because something may not have seemed interesting before, I think it's important to explore. And even I'm learning something from you there, which is, you know, what after this, I'm going to go and type in, um, you know, the, the print on demand companies that you made, uh, you, you, meant, you mentioned and you know side hustles on youtube because i'm just wondering i'm interested to see what people are doing and i guess that's where it starts is you won't necessarily do what they are doing nope. but it may flick a light bulb in, in yeah. your own head that's so, absolutely right that's absolutely right i have found that within watching those videos whether i'm even you know relating to specifically what they're saying it's irrelevant as soon as they start talking in that realm of you know ideas and business like I get something it, it's unlocking that that part of your your brain I guess so obviously over the past three years you've been dancing professionally you've been performing in wonderful performances with with Semper um and they are wonderful and you you obviously love doing what you're doing and but at the same time um you've had you've taught yourself some other skills that through you know success mistakes trying this trying that and and you don't have to have learned those at school to to or, or even at college to to be good at those things now it's been a process but I'm, I'm going to ask you whether if you believe that professional help with regards to business is still important even at in the mid-20s the late 20s you know that constant learning vibe is is a bit of a cliche that's battered around you know everybody should be a constant learner and of course we are you know that that's really important but have you got the facility for somebody to coach you on how to be better in business you know are you drawing advice from anywhere in sp specifically um that's an interesting question because i've just finished my first round of coaching myself with a mentor um I worked with Matt Skoog, who you actually introduced me to. You know, I I wanted to speak to him as I was founding up the Audition Educator. And we ended up working together for, you know, we're going on five, six months now. Um, 
and he doesn't just help me in that area he helps me in every area so yes that's a possibility but I wouldn't say that it was completely necessary for anyone just starting you know I've been doing these sorts of things for you know five to eight years and you know you can dabble as much as you like it doesn't have to be a you know a big official thing of course when I when I retire from ballet and I take these businesses into you know my full-time work that is when I will get um, a more business side of a mentor and coach to help me grow and scale and to fix what I'm doing wrong but you have to have something for someone to be able to you know fix it and how tell you how you can do it better and tell you how you can grow you know if you've got nothing there to start with then there's nothing there for them to work with so start just start um that's the best the best case scenario and it's why i do all of it we you know as most people have found out this year we're in an unstable industry as are most industries this year seemingly stable jobs are just lost to the wind um i'm in a very privileged position that i still have a full-time contract and a salary um but thousands and thousands of dancers aren't and you know let's take the pandemic out completely you could get a, a life-changing injury tomorrow and you're out so i will never have all my eggs in one basket and and not have something going on and right now my point is to build them so that when i retire from ballet i have something to go to you know instead of floundering for two years trying to figure it out maybe studying something maybe not and that's fine, for, you know, if that if that's you, that's not me. So I'm preparing this for when I finish. But if nothing else, if anything else did go wrong, you know, I've got I've got two businesses bringing in some income and, and really piqued my interest. And obviously we want to be, you know, most, some people want to be dancing as long as they possibly can. Some people have got an idea in their mind as to when they want to do something else. But I suppose you, you know, let's say, for example, lots and lots of people these days come out of uh, college or university with the same degree it's a level playing field you've got some pretty significant things no matter what their size no matter what their revenue no matter what their you, you've had growth you've had yeah. development you you've you've had the inception of ideas and de, you know developed one thing into another that on a cv that on a cv or in a job interview is going to put you in a different category compared to the people that have perhaps studied in this and worked in that for the past seven years yeah. um so what would be your advice to perhaps dancers that are, are looking ahead in their career maybe they've been somewhere doing they've been on cruise ships or they've been on in ballet companies for the past six seven years and trying to sort of bring themselves into normal work have you got any advice for people that perhaps are transitioning out of the dance industry or want to transition after having a career, of course? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, like I said with YouTube, there are so many resources online right now. And, you know, for example, in the first lockdown, I, um, if you go onto any major university website, Yale, Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge, MIT, they all have free courses, um, 
you know, which touch on their main courses. Now, I'm not saying you're taking the, the course to see if you want to go to Harvard or Yale. That was not why I was doing it. But they have such a variety of subjects, you know, take one, you know, take one on finance. You might find in, after one topic, you're like, no, I'm out. It's not for me. Great. You might find one in another industry. Look at hospitality, look at marketing, whatever it is and start trying. And you don't even have to be spending all your money on this. Of course, there are a lot of paid courses. You know, you look at Skillshare, Masterclass, how many experts in the industry are giving away all their knowledge? You know, if you want to do something in fashion, take Anna Winter's course. I'm sure it will give you some ideas. So I, that's what I would recommend is use what is available to you. You can start on YouTube looking at different topics. You can, you know, go to these university sites and take some courses, check on Skillshare, check on Masterclass and just find some, everyone has some sort of hobby or other taste. So maybe start with that. And you might find that you're like, well, you know, it's nice, you know, it's nice as a hobby. I like looking at people's, you know, outfit of the days, but I don't really want to do that myself. And then, you know, you can rule it out. So it's just spending the time doing that. But those are the places I would start for sure. Okay, and where does your um, patience come to with all of this? Because you've been through a, a, a fairly lengthy process to get to where you are now and set up something that is so is niche. And I guess that's what everybody wants to find. Everybody wants to find their niche. And that, let's be honest, you know, for example, within the world of strength and conditioning, which is that a lot of people listen to on here, um, is everybody's got a fitness account everybody's got exercise advice everybody's doing squats like you know what what sets you apart when you do that squat who's it for you know so what were you how long did it take you to think well this needs to be did, did you always set out with the idea that this wanted to be for dancers or could could you were you happy with the idea that you were going to come up with something for for, for anybody or was it is your passion so much within the, what's happened in your career that you wanted to provide something for the industry in the future? Um, are we talking digital media company? We're talking audition educator, we're talking apparel, okay. you know, have you always yeah, okay. wanted to put it into ballet? No. I knew audition educator would be for ballet and I've already had people contacting me talking, you know, within other industries. I will not educate in something that I have not, you know, thoroughly done myself or I'm thoroughly experienced in because I will not waste people's time and money. Ballet, I know. Ballet companies, I know. But, you know, I would never market that. Now, if I can grow the agency and bring in experts from other fields that could help out with those things, great, that's the goal. But I'm not going to do it right now. And so that was very clearly going to be niche to ballet. The digital media side of things, let's say that company, you know, the clients that I have, they all, that wasn't intentional. They just all drifted from that. You know, I... I led the social media management team of Semper for a year, you know, and that's where that started and it went into an, an official company because you can't have um, anybody choosing a ballet picture. 
and whatever style or art you're in for that, you know, I couldn't choose a an audio of a viola solo because, you know, I can tell if it sounds good or in key, but that's it. Um, and so that's fallen into that niche. Um, I do, I, you know, and I have designed websites in other fields. I've designed them in the fitness space. I've designed them in the music industry, but these are all strings to my bow within my art form. And I think that's probably why they've ended up coming to me for it. You know, with, you know, with all the training that we've done, we've been given the most aesthetic eye for detail and beauty. And, you know, that's reflected in my work. For the apparel range, I didn't feel that there was, um, you know, like the Ballet Moods account, you've got one as well, these meme accounts. There's nothing relatable on apparel for us to be wearing. The, ballet, the ballet meme pro. I'm just going to chuck that one in there. It's steadily, yes. steadily growing. So um, I, I put that on, on apparel. You know, I've got a whole range of point shoe socks. They started with biscuits that were like, warm my biscuits. You know, there's bend my bananas, um, um, pancake my point shoes. They've got really right. delicious looking pancakes with syrup all over them. Or, you know, I've got um, a lot of the t-shirts have got, you know, old fashioned black and white pictures on them and then the tagline. So like one is like a woman taking her shoe off after a long day, you know, a really, you know, old fashioned picture. And it says bunions be bitching because <laughs> <laughs> when you take those shoes off at the end of the day, that's what the bunions be feeling. I won't repeat it because I don't know if you're going to have to meet that. That's but. fine. That's fine. <laughs> so what I'm going to, what I, I guess is is really important to people and is something that um i know you, you're dabbling with or have dabbled with many minutes for, for a while and i believe you're very good at it becca um is the the big networking thing and people are getting jobs and people do get work because word of mouth is still really really important and even knowing somebody's name when you send an email is, is crucial, you know, you know, dear to, to whomever it may concern is, 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 is a, is a, is a big no, no. And even I know that Lost um, job. <laughs> completely. So how important is networking? Where do people start if they feel perhaps, you know, I'm, I'm not confident. I've not really got anything to say. Um, Prior to this year, what, what did your networking strategy look like? And what advice are you giving to dancers currently on, I don't want to, you know, do the audition educator on the podcast, but what advice are you giving to dancers currently about networking? Um, don't burn bridges ever. I was talking to a couple of girls on my course this week and um, this goes back to school. You know, this goes back to lower school. The people you are in school with, the people you interact with on summer programs, summer intensive, the staff, you will need some of those again one day. Don't burn any bridges. You know, I there was a dancer I was in school with, um, you know, and we were very, you know, good friends on and off. There was a spat here and there. There was a bit of a bigger spat, you know, involving a few people. Um, and you know, she left the school. Later on, I'm auditioning for a company that she's in, and you know, I have to message her. So do not burn any bridges. 
this was the story I was telling them. I, I will get onto networking super quick. My Banesh, my Banesh notation teacher at Elmhurst, I was a terror in that class. I got thrown out nearly every week. <laughs> it was on a Friday morning. She didn't like, you know, she wasn't a fan of me uh, for sure because I was a terror. I didn't like the class. You know, roll forward two to three years as a professional who's in the company, who's coming to the company to cast and set the ballet. My Banesh notation teacher. Luckily, she didn't hold a grudge. And then fast forward another three years, I've moved company and she's coming to set the same ballet in another company, my Banesh notation teacher. Do not burn bridges, it's so important. Be um, polite and friendly and open to as many people as you can. And with regards to networking, you know, for any dancer who's um, had a guest, a guest teacher, a summer intensive, guest teacher in a company, in a school, whatever it may be, anyone who's coming in to choreograph something, make sure you leave a good impression as a person, you know, as well as your dancing for sure. But as a person, you know, introduce yourself to them, you know, they're human too, that, and that's fine. But you know, the amount of auditions I got because I contacted my guest teachers from my first company and was like, oh, I need to get in here. Do you have a contact? They were like, yeah, no problem. A million times over that happens. Um, there is, you know, helps with who you know, um, definitely helps. So don't be afraid to introduce yourself to people and just leave a good impression. Give it, leave a good taste in their mouth. Because even if it, even if it's you needing somewhere somewhere to stay in that country or that city, you know it could be as small as that, couldn't it? Really? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you've done a summer intensive with with a specific dancer and they end up in a company, can I sleep on your couch? Leave a good taste in everyone's mouths. You know, you don't have to be fake with anyone, but leaving a good taste in someone's mouth is is important because then when if, if you do need to contact them or if and when you do, because you will um they're more likely to be able you know to want to help you that's such that's such sound advice um i mean that's really what this this podcast was about today um which is you know little bits of advice here and there for for what dancers can do to keep themselves going grow grow their themselves grow their what their startup grow their network whatever it may be but um, my final question really, Bex, is the, the experiences that you've had so far since setting up Audition Educator, what's, what's that been like? Have, what's the process been like for those dancers? And are, are there any common themes that come up amongst young dancers that you think, you know, in 2021, 2022, people need to be ready for? Or is there any advice that you'd give to that specific group that are auditioning right now? right now um the main thing is the videos you know getting your videos done um getting getting them filmed um that's been the main thing and even you know the people i had on the course in september they still contact me to you know have a look through their videos and things like that which i'm like i love doing um but video seems to be the common running theme of, of issues. And then otherwise it's just writing to a company. You know, how do you cold call a company? How do you cold email a company? 
those are the two main things but this year videos so that that would be my advice is get your videos down to a t i share a lot of free tips on my instagram as well for the audition educator um so do check that out as well but getting your videos filmed and clear and covering all bases you know you need a bar on point you need a bar on flat you need classwork some then don't want classwork you need two classical variations, but varying in styles, not the same thing, but that still suit you. If you don't have a contemporary variation, you have YouTube, you need to learn one and you need to film it. So videos. And that could video. be video, that's the editing process, that's the, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the what the content, the what order to put it in and all that type of thing. And, and you go through this on, on your course, I, I, I'm mm -hmm. aware of that. Um, so the final keep thing is keep them short i'm just saying <laughs> keep videos short <laughs> i mean that's probably a good advice as well because some people probably get carried away doing a whole center practice and a whole this and a whole that absolutely <laughs> so that would kind of i want to round off there becca by saying i think you know i've known you for you know a decade which is kind of crazy I to say. Yesterday, yeah it's been over um, yeah when I was 17. <laughs> and we've kind of gone through our process, own processes in the dance world at the same time, which is kind of cool. And three years ago, I, I would really encourage people to go back and listen to that podcast because that podcast is, and that video is, is, is your story. And before I think it, it, like before the rest of it developed as well, it's quite a nice continuation. Oh, I think I'm really, I'm so excited for that. And, and I'm going to put a link to that in, in the description i'm going to put a link to all your websites and everything um so people can reach out to you about Thanks. this um but i think from thinking about and being interviewing you back then to where you've done gone to now is just so awesome so successful but you've you've learned it yourself and it shows that somebody who doesn't have a formalized education in business or design or you know you there are experiences and things in your education from dance that have actually contributed to this being a success. So 100%. dancers yeah. out there that are worried that they haven't got this formalized education in this, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's not something to worry about anymore. You don't need a degree to, to, do, to do any of the things that you wanna put your mind to, just, you know, when you're starting. Obviously you need a degree to be a doctor, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and I think there's there is but in the same way that you need to go and train to be a dancer. But if yeah. you're expanding into other avenues, that expertise is valuable for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And because of this past year, it's all online. You can learn from the experts online. Listen, yeah. Becca, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure, and I, I really don't want to take up more of your time. So, um, thanks very much. I think I imagine in three years time there's going to be a part three yeah um, if not if not sooner as this as this grows and grows but thank you so much and i'm going to make sure that everybody's got all the links that you uh, are attached to yeah thank you so much for having me rupert i really really appreciate it